0: This series will shine a light on the shifting dynamics of governmental entities and the ensuing changes in economic or political policies, laws, and regulations that can have a critical impact on the health and future of your business. Welcome everyone to the Eyes on Washington podcast. I'm Liz Craddock, partner at Holland & Knight. And today, Beth Viola and I are here to talk through the general energy and climate legislative landscape heading into the 118th Congress. Despite our youthful appearances, Beth and I have spent decades in DC working on these issues. Beth is a climate and clean energy expert, helping her clients navigate through the transition to a low carbon economy. She works for the Clinton administration as a senior advisor to the White House Council on Environmental Quality, and now leads our firm's energy and natural resources industry group sector. I've spent two decades working in D.C. on these issues, serving as staff director of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, and also working for a trade association in the upstream oil and natural gas space before moving into private practice. With those introductions out of the way, let's move on to the substance of this podcast. So, Beth. What an exciting year and a half it's been for energy and climate in DC. Between the IIJA and the IRA, there's been a ton of movement in this space, which frankly begs the question of what else can get enacted in the 118th Congress pertaining to energy and climate. But before we go there, perhaps you can quickly walk our listeners through those two bills and how their enactment sets up the framework for what Congress might do next year.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Liz. And it's fun to join you today. I think, you know, it's really important to take a step back and think about then candidate Biden um, and what he his agenda was when he was running for president. And he very much ran on an agenda of we're going to build back our nation's infrastructure. Uh, we're going to do it in, in a way that creates lots of good, high-paying jobs. And we're gonna do it in a way that helps address the climate crisis and really move towards a low carbon economy. And I think what we just saw over the last, almost now two years, but really in the last 18 months was the passage of some very major legislation, which has really created tremendous amount of momentum um, as you're looking about making that transition to a low carbon economy. So I I look at it as sort of three legs of the stool and looking at it as the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, the IIJA, and then even the CHIPS Act. And recall, Liz, both two of the three of those bills were bipartisan in order to get done. So a lot of good momentum there, not just from this administration and from Democrats, but on a lot of them, very much bipartisan. I will tell you, I just came back from Egypt where I went to the Conference of the Parties uh, climate meeting and it was fascinating to be there after attending the last several years, but for the Biden administration to really be able to walk in to the summit and be able to say, we are now walking the walk, given the um, unprecedented amounts of money that is contained in those three pieces of legislation, that are very much uh, designed to help us reduce emissions. So I think it's been a really interesting um, couple of years. And so I think with that in mind, you know, it begs the question, what's next? And so for a lot of the work that I think is gonna happen going forward, so much of it is gonna transition to implementation of these three major pieces of legislation. And so for the Biden administration, a large focus dealing with the regulatory components that need to be addressed, especially as it relates to Treasury and the tax incentives contained in the Inflation Reduction Act, but also very much getting the money out the door, uh, given amounts of money that were contained in those bills. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we've already started to see top Republicans on the Science Committee expressing concerns about the Department of Energy and some of the way the money is going out the door there. So it's gonna be a lot of checks and balances, if you will. But Liz, you tell me, I, I can't help but think with the new Republican Congress, you know, do we expect there to be a greater shift or focus um, in the next Congress to back to more traditional Sources of energy, and I do think it's worth noting that there was a lot of money actually in the Inflation Reduction Act. There were a lot of provisions uh, that were definitely designed to help the oil and gas sector. So I'll be curious how, from your perspective, how those things all fit together and what your outlook is. Yes, you're right, Beth.
0: Beth. There were. Several key provisions included in the IRA for the oil and gas industry. You know, a lot of focus was related to federal lands and in ensuring that there uh, was continued development on federal lands. You know, I believe the inclusion of these provisions at the behest of Senator Manchin were due to pent up frustration on behalf of senators and House members who were fed up, frankly, that the Biden administration had been blocking access. To oil and gas leases especially offshore but also onshore you know offshore the Biden administration canceled the last three remaining lease sales in the 2017 and 2022 offshore 5-year program and they actually let that program expire without putting the next 5-year program in place i think that's actually the first time in history that that's happened since uh, you know since congress enacted oxla and mandated that we have these five-year programs. So it's interesting because it takes years to develop leases and a steady and consistent lease sale schedule is important to ensure that we have domestic oil and gas production. You know, given the war in Ukraine and the fluctuating price of crude oil on the world market impacting our domestic gasoline prices, I just think many members of Congress do not believe that this is the right time to restrict domestic oil and gas production especially when we continue to import these commodities from 80 plus countries. I think that's why we saw those provisions included in the IRA uh, to mandate the interior hold those three offshore lease sales in particular, but also uh, lease sales onshore as well. So I fully expect that we'll see the House Natural Resources Committee, especially under the Republicans dive into these issues and promote the continued use of oil and natural gas to fuel our economy. And I think they'll do it in a way that certainly promotes and puts at the forefront oil and natural gas. But I also think that they'll do it in a way to talk um, about you know, adding it in um, to what our energy sector looks like as we add in new renewable sources of energy. You touched on this briefly, but you know, one of the major sort of Revenue raisers, potentially for the IRA, is going to be this new methane fee, um, and fortunately I don't think that the oil and gas industry particularly likes that new fee, and it will definitely have an impact on the industry moving forward, and I think we'll see a lot of potential congressional action on it. But you know, the new fee gets calculated in 2024, then it gets accessed in 2025. In combination with this new methane fee, the EPA is working to finalize a new methane emission reduction regulation in advance of that fee. And that regulation will ensure that all well sites are routinely monitored for methane leaks. It'll set a zero emission standard for pneumatic pumps at affected facilities. It implements alternatives to flaring of gas and perhaps most noteworthy. It leverages third-party monitoring and research to identify super emitters for prompt mitigation. So there's a lot happening in the methane space, and I definitely expect that we'll see the new EPA regulation brought before House Republican Committees, and it'll be a forefront and focal point of congressional hearing discussions on the House side. And finally, Beth, you touched on it uh, briefly, but the permitting reform you know, that's a critical piece not only to uh, traditional energy but renewable energy as well. The IIJA and the IRA authorize spending of billions of dollars into our energy industries. Beginning anything permitted these days takes years, if not decades, particularly in the oil and gas sector. Interstate pipelines have really been at the brunt of the permitting stalemate. While it used to take a little over a year to get an interstate pipeline fully permitted. It's now taking uh, almost a decade. You know, that's not good news for those companies, investors, and the consumers at the end of the pipeline who need natural gas to heat their homes in the winter. But given the fact that permitting reform is equally important to the renewable and clean energy industry, do you think Democrats and Republicans can come together next year to enact permitting reform? May I assume it's important to the clean energy industry as well?
1: you know i i think this is a great question liz and i have to say that i actually personally feel like there is an opportunity to try to get permitting reform done i actually think there is some bipartisan support for it i think industry is pushing for it i think the clean energy community is pushing hard recognizing what you touched on which is you know the delay in terms of trying to get something you know trying to put steel in the ground but I think at the end of the day, the administration is going to have to play ball on permitting reform because, as we've noted, they now have unprecedented amounts of money. And it would be unfortunate that you could not actually make that transition and build out the infrastructure that you need if you do not address the permitting reform issues. And I think, you know, there are still ways to maintain transparency. And good stakeholder engagement, but just do it in a more efficient way that does allow for progress. But you know, the clean energy community—they're not going to be able to put up wind turbines and major deploy major solar farms if we don't start to address some of the challenges associated with permitting.
0: Yeah. So I completely agree. I think that uh, there's been a lot of talk about. You know, if we don't get permitting reform this Congress, then it's dead and we're not going to get it next Congress. But I potentially think that that's maybe putting the horse before uh, the cart there or the cart before the horse. I think, I think we'll see something in the future.
1: It's just too yeah, important. I agree. It it's again. just too important.
0: So Beth, as we both know, it can be hard in a split Congress heading into a presidential election to get any legislation enacted. But there are some other key laws that need to be reauthorized next year that will have a major impact on energy and climate issues, such as the Farm Bill, FAA, and the Pipes Act reauthorization. Can you talk through how those bills have the potential to impact energy and climate matters?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think those are probably the top three that are kind of top of mind uh, in terms of must do, um, given that they do need to be reauthorized. You know, I think it's important when you look at the farm bill reauthorization, you've already seen um, so much effort already start to go get underway with regards to hearings and stakeholders. And, you know, for the first time, we're starting to see The environmental community organize around and try to get coordinated in terms of their priorities in a way that they haven't in the past as it relates to the Farm Bill. It's important to note that the U.S. Department of Agriculture got the most money from any agency out of the Inflation Reduction Act. They got a whopping $46 billion, and a lot of it's for some really great conservation work that they're going to try to get done. However, I do think that there's going to be an even greater push in the Farm Bill to expand the authority of some of those programs at USDA as it relates to conservation, looking at resilience for climate, climate resilience, and mitigation generally. And while there was tremendous funding in IRA to also address wildfires and prevention of wildfires... I think there will continue to be an effort to put some resources there as part of an effort to continue to move the country forward on reduction of climate emissions. You know, FAA reauthorization, that is not a place I normally play, but I'm going to be watching it really closely this time because I think, again, for the first time, we're going to see a real emphasis on how do we address emissions from major airline aircraft. So, you know, we've already seen the grand challenge that came out of this administration and the new tax incentive for the development of sustainable aviation fuels. So I think there's going to be a greater emphasis on what else can be done and to expedite the deployment, the development and deployment of those fuels for major aircraft that are good, so good for the environment. And then also even looking at things like how do you deal with short haul aircraft that is battery, you know, driven by batteries. So I think there's going to be a lot of climate related focus in those two bills. Liz though, I have to say, I'm not the expert on pipes, you are, so let me turn it back to you to talk about pipes.
0: Yeah, I fully expect to see the Pipes Act also known as the Protecting Our Infrastructure of Pipelines and Enhancing Safety Act which will expire in 2023 uh, to be reauthorized next year or possibly Q1 of 2024. You know, this is a usually bipartisan law and it aims to strengthen Finsa's safety authority and includes provisions to help Finsa fulfill its mission of protecting people and the environment while advancing the safe transportation of energy and other hazardous materials. Pipelines are instrumental to the safe transport of liquid fuels. I mean, not only are they the safest way to transport these fuels, but pipelines are also important to keeping food prices stable by keeping the transport of these fuels off our rail system. Obviously oil and natural gas can box out wheat, corn, and soybeans as they can pay at a higher price to ship via rail. And also to keeping our highways free from trucks transporting these fuels. I think, given that you know we still are hearing the word inflation around D.C., I think that that word is uh, starting to hear you starting to hear it less and less around town. But you know, anything that causes food prices to go up, fuel prices to go up, obviously impacts everyday lives and members of Congress will hear about that uh, very quickly. Pipelines, frankly, are uh, key to ensuring that we keep those prices down. So, you know, pipelines are key to maintaining a stable energy sector. And, you know, given the importance of them to our economy, I fully expect Congress will come together to get this important law reauthorized next year. That's great. You know, with that, Beth, um, while there has been a lot of movement in the energy and climate space, given the importance of these issues to keeping the lights on and fueling our cars and the impact to our environment, climate impacts, we know these issues will continue to be at the forefront of congressional action for the foreseeable future. It's been a pleasure to do this podcast with you today. But before we go, do you have any last comments before we
1: wrap up? Well, I would say it's also been a pleasure doing this with you today. And I would just encourage anyone who's listening to this, if they have any questions, to not hesitate to reach out and let us know. And to also, we have some really great summaries of all these major pieces of legislation that we've been talking about on our website.
0: Yeah, definitely check those out if you have any interest. And like that said, please reach out if we can be of any help. With that, we hope to see you around the halls of Congress in the near future. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to the Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. For more information on our Public Policy and Regulation Group, please visit hklaw.com ppr.